Today we're going to be talking about alopecia areata with Sherry Schaefer. She has been challenged with it for 23 years. We're going to talk about that as well as how she has pivoted her life to support those who have fine hair and hair loss. So we have a lot to get to and we'll be right back. Where do I turn? Social media, it's just too much. Well, luckily, we know about Tabingen Consulting. Yes, Tabingen, named after Tabitha and Ginger. We provide social media strategy and marketing. We can take over your entire management plan, as well as if you want to keep doing your social media, we can provide coaching. Take a look in the show notes and also find us on Instagram at tabingenconsulting.com. Thanks, Tabingen Consulting. That was something else. Uh, anyway, so now we're going to jump right into the podcast with Sherry Schaefer. Hope you all enjoy it. Alopecia yet. So I talked with someone with trick and then uh, Andrew genetic alopecia, but not alopecia areata. So, um, so I thought this would be a really good conversation, but so what are you wearing right now? Cause it's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. This is my favorite at the moment. That's liable to change next week. Um, this is Raquel Welch's it curl yeah. in shadow shade 1422. I love it. Yeah, you guys, maybe we'll get a picture and then we can put that on the podcast so people can see it. It's gorgeous, guys. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful wig. You would never know. That's <laughs> the whole idea, right? I know. That is the whole idea with alternative hair, right? So I think people think, when they think about alternative hair and wigs and everything, they think, like, their father's toupee or old Carol Burnett show where Tim Conway had, like, the toupee just directly on his head. I think people think that's what it looks like, and it's like, that is not what it looks like, you know, from, from synthetic all the way to real hair. I mean, they, they're doing such a great job with synthetics as well that it's it's not anything like that. So it's true. I've been yeah. saying for years that we need to come up with another name than wig because you're right. As soon as someone hears that word wig, they think of their grandmother's wig or mm-hmm. Vicki Lawrence and what was that show? Mama's something. Mama's, Mama's family or something like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. And it's not like that at at all. So that's kind of part of why doing this podcast and actually, you know, it's interesting because I do the social media now for alternative hair providers as well. And before that, I would never tell anyone I wore alternative hair. Nope. Nope. Not even like my best friends, no one, but now I kind of have been pulled from the closet. Well, actually I pulled myself from the closet um, to share it because as I see like more and more people, it's more and more people, I see younger and younger women with it. And then I see more and more people being very outspoken about it, especially on Instagram. Like you'll see reels and fun things like happening where they pull their hair off and, or they don't wear hair, et cetera. So part of the goal really is to um, just remove that stigma and open up the conversation. So, and I think people, yeah, I think people don't realize um, the the challenges that others have, especially when I was reading through some of your background and and knowing, especially alopecia areata, I think can be difficult. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that specifically is. But it's like, I think when I ever think of alopecia areata and people who have it, it's like, they're hopeful and then they're, they're, they're hopeful, they get their hair back and then their hopes are dashed because then they lose their hair, et cetera. So, so let's talk a little bit about you, Sherry. So uh, a little bit about your background, kind of where you're based and, mm-hmm. and uh, your field of work right now mm-hmm. and why you got into it. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been a hairdresser for over 40 years since right out of high school, which gives you an idea of how old I am, right? And I was very busy behind the chair loved doing hair, always have. And then one day I just, I noticed my hairline had started to recede. And the same day I was wearing my hair up in the back in sort of a French twist. And a coworker said, Sherry, what's going on in your nape area? It looks like you've got a bald spot there. And I looked with a hand mirror and sure enough. So I got the diagnosis a few days after that of alopecia areata. And within three months, it had all fallen out. And shortly after that, my brows went and my lashes went. Oh, yeah. So I was the yeah. girl in the salon that had the best hair. I went from that to the girl with no hair that got yeah. this bizarre autoimmune disease where all her hair fell out. But because I'd been to a, a hair show in New York and had picked up a on a lark, just a, a catalog off a table there, I I pulled that out from storage, thumbed through it, found a couple of great wigs, ordered them, and then just started to just have a little fun with it. I thought, well, you know what, if I've got to wear wigs, and if everybody knows it, which they did, 
because I wear my heart on my sleeve and worked in a busy salon, I might as well really have fun with this. So I did. And women started to approach me and ask me where they could find great wigs like this for either themselves or their sister going through breast cancer or their neighbor. Um, I'm in the Rochester, New York area, and there's a few more now, but back then, and this was about 23 years ago, uh, there were very few places to get a good affordable wig, especially acute synthetic, Mm -hmm. which is often what someone wants when they're going through short-term hair loss like chemotherapy. So I just loved the convenience of switching them out and um, it it just made more sense to start with synthetics for me. Mm -hmm. So long story short, my hair grew back about a year and a half later, it was all back. And I thought, oh, phew, well, that episode of my life is over with. But about three or four years after that, after my daughter was born, it went again. So then I realized I was going to be most likely one of the ones that cycled in and out of alopecia areata. Instead of going into um, alopecia universalis, which so many do where they lose it and it stays gone, or alopecia totalis where they lose their scalp hair only and it may or may not uh, come back. So to date, I've lost it four times. I shaved it off because the loss or the flare was so bad this past summer, I decided to shave it off again. But um, after the second loss, concurrently, my best friend developed breast cancer and knew where to get a good wig. So Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. came to the salon. And at that time, it was a regular salon. I hadn't gotten into the wig business yet. But we had so much fun picking out some styles for her And it it was not only a wonderful experience for her, it was cathartic for me because it gave me the opportunity to see some purpose in what I was experiencing. And it made me feel better too. So um, that was the genesis of my whole decision to get into the wig business. And because wigs were so expensive and because I've always been cost conscious, I did it as a nonprofit for the first three years. And because of that, and my back or my hairdressing background, um, the two combined, my reputation built very quickly in the area as the place to go to get a great wig at a good price. I was married at the time and um, about three years into the nonprofit, um, went through a divorce. So I had to turn it into a business and have never looked back. It's just, it's, it's been amazing. So when you lost your hair, you had that because I'd read that alopecia areata a lot of times starts as a quarter size, like you lose it out like quarter size. So that patch that was at the base of your mm-hmm. skull was a, was a patch, was a quarter sized patch. And you mentioned it was autoimmune. So do they have really, do they understand why that happens or it just triggers and they don't necessarily know why it triggered? They really don't know why. They've been able to pin it down that it's genetic in about 20% of cases. So genes are obviously involved. Um, a lot of us with alopecia areata also have eczema and through genetics, they've been able to determine there's a link there as well. And that would include me. I've had mild eczema off and on over the years. Um, but stress plays a big factor too. About two weeks before that initial loss, where I saw that quarter size spot at my nape, um, I literally had a near death experience where for about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, I thought I was going to die. And I didn't die, obviously. (laughs) If if you had, this would be one amazing podcast. Like (laughs) Sherry is from the other side. (laughs) (laughs) It sure would. But um, it it was, there were other things going on too. I was looking for a new salon to work in and I, I, had eight interviews and they all wanted me because I had a full book of over a hundred clients and I was determined not to make another mistake. So I really perseverated over that for hours and hours and hours. So the near death experience basically topped it off. And it was two weeks after that happened that the hair loss began. And and for me, clearly that was the trigger that flipped the switch that started the autoimmune process. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is the thing. It's the, there's usually a trigger 
certainly in that kind of environment, you think about your adrenaline probably yeah. just went crazy. Cortisol went crazy, like fear. I mean, just flight or fight. Yeah. Yes. All of it. Well, I'm glad that worked out. Okay. Though I'm glad you're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then do you think like, cause you mentioned the second time was after the birth of your child. Do you feel like the stress of pregnancy probably is what the other trigger was too? I do. Um, the whole time I was pregnant, I had my hair and women tend to experience postpartum hair loss at about the two or three month point after the baby's born anyway. Mm -hmm. And I had a feeling that that in and of itself might flip the switch and cause another flare, whether it was that, whether it was the fact that she was a, a colicky baby and couldn't get her to sleep through the night, probably both. You know, a lot of times I think autoimmune disease and hair loss in general is multifactorial. Um, but sure enough, um, when she was about three months old, another flare started. And by the time she was about eight months old, it was so bad that I shaved it off again. I, I think I'd lost about 60% that time when I shaved it again. Yeah. And then you just had a flare this past summer, which I don't know if you're aware, but there's been a really stressful situation that's been going on for the last two years called pandemic. So I wouldn't be surprised that that also is. And then being a small business owner, that's got to be incredibly stressful too. So when you, when you think about like, so oh, I do want to ask, how is your friend? You mentioned that, you oh, know, she's great. Thank you. Oh, she's, good. She's absolutely good. great. And, and she rocked her wigs and loved them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've noticed that um, folks who, who go into this as well have friends or family that had breast cancer. Um, you know, one of the, one of our uh, commonalities is Sherry Renee and in her story as well, she talked about creating her product line because of a friend with breast cancer and that she didn't feel like there was something that she wanted her friend to have. So it does seem like I'm glad that there are things for um, people suffering breast cancer that they have some cute options. And I think that's the other thing is everyone wants to look cute. No one wants to look not cute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and breast cancer is so difficult anyway, obviously, because it's, it, it could be life or death, right? But um, so many times, I mean, I've worked with over 2000 women here in the salon and time and time and time again, cancer patients have said to me, you know, I can deal with the cancer. I, I, I can go to chemo. I, I can do what I need to do to put one foot in front of the other. It's the hair loss that's kicking my butt. And part of that is, and think about it, right? It, it, our breasts and our hair, that's our femininity right there. Mm -hmm. And both things, when you're undergoing chemo that results in hair loss are under attack. And the hair is so public. Everybody mm -hmm. sees what's going on from your chin up, you know, your breasts, you can hide, you can augment with pads, you, you can do things. It's not as obvious. Your head, on the other hand, very obvious. I've even met several women that weren't going to go through chemo because they were so concerned about losing their hair. Now, how sad is that? But yeah. once they came here and saw the, all these wonderful Again, I hate to say the word wigs because of what that conjures up, but once they saw how beautiful and natural and lifelike they can look, they were like, oh, you know what? I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. So that, that those cases were particularly rewarding. And then, um, yeah, especially to my brother had colon cancer. He's fine now, but when he, and he was already bald, uh, but because he already shaved his head. And I remember when he went to the oncologist and he was talking to him, the oncologist says, well, you know, you could lose your hair. And my brother was like, that include like my back hair. Can we lose that? <laughs> no. Um, but he did, he did lose some eyebrows and the eyelashes and the eyelashes were a big one. Cause that you need like I losing your eyelashes. Yikes. That's they, they're there for a reason. They're not just there to look good. They're actually there to keep stuff from your eyes. Yeah. All right. 23 years you've been dealing with it. So you were young then like, how old were you? Like just turning 30, uh, just turning 40 actually. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm going okay. to be 63 next month. So, oh, well, like you look amazing for any age. Thank Sherry. you. So, thank you. It's, you know, it's the I, hair. <laughs> well, it, it, well, don't even, we all know hair 10 years younger, minimum 10 years <laughs> right? younger, minimum. And then like you and I had talked about, like when you do on your Instagram, when you wear the different styles, it's like, 
all of a sudden Sherry's younger and then she's older. And that's the other thing, right? The hair that you choose can really um, showcase what you want to look like at that point in time. Absolutely. Even different colors within the same style. Someday I'll do a video where I'm showing two or three different colors with the same style, but Mm -hmm. color and style together can make a huge difference. I, I see it all the time here in the salon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm all in for the 10 years younger minimum. That's where I'm at. That's where, that's where I want to live. So, um, and so you mentioned that you, you also say you have women, but you also said something about teens when I was looking through our, mm-hmm. our pre-work. So you do have young, cause I've been seeing more and more younger women, uh, with hair loss and, um, seeing them with the people, the clients I manage, I'm seeing pictures coming through with young girls, you know, girls that are 15 to their early twenties, uh, with hair loss. So are you seeing that from, they have cancer and they have hair loss, or are you seeing it also just from, from alopecia areata, totalis univalis, univalis? It's a a mouthful, (laughs) that last one. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Um, Actually, I'm seeing both. Um, I've been in touch the last couple of weeks with a a local mom whose 14-year-old son was recently diagnosed with alopecia areata, Mm -hmm. and it's going quickly. And she's been in touch with New York Presbyterian Hospital because there's a dermatologist there that she's been working with. And the dermatologist's staff person that she spoke with initially on the phone told her that within the last two years, they have seen a huge uptick in alopecia areata. So that makes me wonder, is it the stress of the pandemic on these poor kids? Is it, um, is it COVID related hair loss? Because when you have COVID-19, you can have hair loss as a result of that. Um, or is it a side effect of the vaccine? Who knows? But Mm -hmm. there are a fair amount of teenagers and even younger children. The youngest child that I've seen with alopecia areata was five years old. Oh, I know because it does not bode well for future, for for their prognosis when they have it so young. Yeah, they're going to flare. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and it tends to either stay gone or they cycle in and out like I do. But then there's a point in their teens or twenties when they have it that young, where it tends to flare so badly and goes all together and never comes back. That's not the case for everyone. Everyone's course is slightly different, but I have seen that in the salon several times. Are there people that have one flare of alopecia areata and then never have it again? Yes. Yes. In fact, they say that, well, they believe that about 2% of the population has alopecia areata, but they think that it's also vastly underreported because hard for me to believe being in the salon business for so many years, but not everybody goes to the salon on a regular basis for haircuts and cuts and color. And it's often the hairstylist that notices it first. Um, So there's, there's that whole segment of the population that has maybe a spot in the back. And if their hair is long enough, they might not ever know it. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back in and that's it. So that's, yeah, they're kind of like, Oh, I just have this little bald spot. You know, they, they're like, I have this little bald spot. Mm-hmm. It is interesting on the triggers because, you know, because it's a genetic, if the, if that genetic trigger gets triggered and when they do think of, you know, medicines and everything else, when they do all their testing, they're not testing for a genetic trigger. Like that's not on their, that's not on their field of vision. Like, okay, we're going to do this medicine and let's just check. Does it, does it genetically trigger alopecia? No, they don't. So you don't find out until after. And then you're like, oh, maybe that triggered. So there is, it's one of those interesting and fascinating things that I didn't even really realize in terms of genetic triggers. Yeah. Younger people, all that poor. And it's going to be tough for a little boy to wear a wig, right? Like it, it, well, luckily this little big or this little boy rather is very big for his age and he will fit the best we can tell talking on the phone, he will fit into a man-sized wig. So, okay. All <laughs> right. Well, to make some wonderful men's wigs and we've got one coming for him. So, oh, good, good. Yeah. We'll see. At least people have somewhere to turn. Right. And do you just help people in Rochester? Or do you have people that come out, come from different places to like work with you? I have worked with women across the country since I first put a website up many years ago 
But when the pandemic began and the state closed all salons down for 10 weeks, well, I closed for 11 weeks, a week ahead of all the other salons because I worked with so many immunocompromised women and children and did not know what to expect with this whole new virus thing. So when the salon was closed for 11 weeks, I thought, oh my goodness, how, how do I do, how do I run my business going forward, right? I mean, people come in and they try wigs on. Well, I'm mm -hmm. right next to them. How can they tell if a wig is going to look good with a mask covering two thirds of their face? When the salon reopened, I found a way around that. But what I decided to do when I had that 11 weeks off and had free time for the first time in several decades was- Silver lining. That's a silver yes, lining. It, yes. And the pandemic has provided a silver lining for many, many, many people. I was seeing between eight and 10 women a day, four days a week. And that's a lot when you're in the wig yeah. business, because yeah, there's also a lot of behind the scenes work, as you know. So that gave me a breather. And I decided going forward with so much more going online that perhaps the hair loss market, all of these women that I see in Facebook groups and on Instagram that don't have a wig salon in their area, perhaps they could be well-served by a wig expert going online and helping them. So I spent many a 3 a.m. wake up <laughs> dealing with night sweats. So I'm lying there for half an hour <laughs> to an hour, so trying to make use of the time again and decided, you know what? I think I can do this. So I started doing virtual consultations. I invested in a wonderful digital camera, a good microphone, learned a lot about lighting and thought, thought it through from A to Z. How can we do a virtual consultation without the client trying a wig on? Mm -hmm. And that is where my experience comes in. Someone new to wigs would have a very difficult time, I think, doing a virtual consultation. But because I've been doing this for so long and worked with so many women, I can tell within 10 minutes, usually by asking the right questions, what wig or wigs are going to be the best for them. And then if there's something that I have here in the salon that might work for them, I take off my wig and I model it for them and I talk about it with them and we go from there. So it's actually worked out very well. I've had a very low wig return rate with that. Mm -hmm. Do you think, because what I've noticed, and I wonder if, if, if it holds true to, to your side as well, that people being at home um, with the pandemic and kind of reevaluating things, I think that there's been a push where people are coming out of it going, I don't want to live with this hair anymore. Like, yes. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get a top or I'm going to get a wig. I'm going to get, you know, um, whatever product. Like, I, they, just, they just don't want to do it anymore. You know, because for there are many women, I think, and, and men too, but I think there are many people who just sort of deal with their fine hair, thinning hair. And you're right. I look in those Facebook groups, they break my heart too, because um, there's one I follow and there's so much fish oil being discussed in there, like things that are not going to solve the issue, you know, and they're all, and, and I don't know, ever know when to step in and be like, that's not going to work. I've tried that <laughs> run away. Um, but I, you know, I think that a lot of people are just coming out of it like I, you know, how many more years do I have left on this planet? Either A, I'm going to accept what I've got and just move forward or B, I'm not. Right. And I think those folks that are like, I'm not are starting to like now explore what is out there, mm -hmm. which is why also when I look on Instagram and I see a lot of these younger girls who are in consumers, they're not actually, they're not selling, they're in right. consumers doing their videos, talking their stuff through. A lot of them have happened within the last year. Yes. This is because one of those things time. that's out there. Yeah, they have the time and they've got a lot of navel gazing you can do when you're just sitting there thinking, I don't <laughs> like the way I look anymore. What yes. can I order online? Um, yes. and see how I make myself look better. Well, about six to eight months into the pandemic, I, I saw a few articles that were uh, discussed how skincare became huge during the early part of the pandemic because women were going without their makeup because they weren't going to work anymore. So they're looking at their natural skin, not covered up with foundation and powder all day. So skincare sales boomed. So it stands to reason in addition to extra time and reprioritizing their lives, perhaps your scalp and your hair is an extension of your skin, right? Your extension yeah. of your face. So it all makes sense to me. 
Yeah, scalp is skincare. A lot of people yeah. don't think that's like, it's not, it's actually skincare guys to so take care of your scalp. So folks with alopecia areata are, you know, probably have a little bit, they're more challenged. Like we talked a little bit about in that they get the hair and then the hair goes away. So they get hopeful when the hair grows and then they go for a couple of years if they're lucky and then they get another flare and then now they're back to where they were. Um, and so I would imagine that's kind of hope dashing. Whereas if you have the other two alopecias, univeralis and totalis, you're kind of, oh, you're, you're, you're kind of there, you know, where you're at, you know, what your diagnosis is. Yes. But areata is different in that regard. And one of the things that um, you had mentioned at one point was the depression that happens with not only hair loss in general, right? So I think any hair loss, even if it's andri androgenetic alopecia, losing hair as one gets older, things like that. Depression comes in with that. But I think it's that cycle of hope and then hope dashed. Mm -hmm. So did you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the impact that depression and alopecia areata and how to work through that? Any thoughts on that? Sure, sure. The incidence of depression is greater according to the studies that have been done in those with alopecia areata, and that's not surprising. Um, one thing I've learned because I've lost my hair four times and it's regrown three times now is I hold it loosely. You know, the first time I lost it, it was devastating, of course. I remember clearly clutching the steering wheel, driving to the salon one morning as it was going and not knowing how bad it was going to get, thinking, how am I going to do this? My hair's falling out. And, it, and I was just diagnosed with this weird disease. But you get through it one foot at a time. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when it came back, I thought, oh, phew, that phase of my life is over and done. What a nightmare. Thank God it's behind me now. And then come to find out it wasn't when it flared again and I had to shave it again, which I shouldn't use the word had, right? Because we can, we have choice in this. I didn't have to shave it. I chose to. And that in itself can be very empowering. The second time it went, it wasn't quite as devastating. And then the third and the fourth time, it, 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 it became less devastating each time. And actually this last time I was looking forward to the day when I would shave it because it would be so much easier to put wigs on and really fully embrace wigs again. But, you know, I, I, my standard joke line, if you will, is I try not to get too attached to my hair because it has a hard time staying attached to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it sounds kind of funny, but it's the truth. So I've, I've learned to hold it loosely and look for the positives in both situations. When I have my hair back, I don't wear wigs as much because I, when I have my hair, it's thick and it's beautiful and it's wavy. And it actually looks a lot like this wig, mm -hmm. which is maybe why I love the wig so much. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I should wear wigs because I sell wigs and I have literally sold wigs right off of my head before when it was a brand new one that I put on. So, There's no doubt you would be able to sell that wig you have on your head right now. It's absolutely I, gorgeous. <laughs> this, this wig, thank you. This wig is on back order. I have three women waiting for this wig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it is on my Instagram feed, by the way. And my Not Facebook. surprised. So I, I guess what I would encourage women to do is look for the positives in, in both situations. If, if you are a cycler like me, where you go in and out, I love having my hair back. I love feeling the, the summer breeze through my hair and I'm grateful for it every day that I have it. And that goes for my brows and lashes too, because they come and go. Um, but when I, when my hair is gone and I'm wearing wigs again, I embrace that. I, I have fun with it. I get dressed first and decide which wig is going to look great with the outfit that I've got on my mood factors in it has just become another accessory, just like my mm -hmm. jewelry and clothes to me. So it's another way to express my personality. And that is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So when my hair is here, I don't do that. When my hair is gone, I do do that. So I, I'm, I'm looking for the positives in both situations. And, and I think that is what has been successful for me and for many of my clients that are in the same situation. Yeah, that the, the whole idea of alternative hair being an accessory. Um, I definitely embrace that. I use that actually in social for some of my clients because um, it is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you can look totally different. And like you said, match it to your outfit, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be, you want to be a, uh, you know, a Saturday night siren. It's easy enough to do with a sexy wig, right? <laughs> like all of a sudden, plus, you know, um, exactly. uh, people, romantic partners may enjoy that too. They'll be like, Hey, who are you today? You don't need to be looking for other people. I can be other people. That's right. Many, many women say that their husbands or significant others love it. They they love it. And when I was married, my, um, my husband used to say, I come home to a different woman every night, but I wake up to the same bald one every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, things happen in the night. It's a little, it's a little warm to sleep in a wig. Um, So you're, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about hairstylists sometimes are the first ones that'll see on their clients um, that they're losing hair. Do you feel like what, what is your opinion in terms of how, how educated is the hairstylist side of the business in terms of hair loss and the different aspects of hair loss that impact their clients, as well as do you feel like hairstylists know where to find solutions for their stylists because, or for their clients? Because I know clients and stylists have usually very long-term relationships. And I know when I met, I talked with Doreen, one of my earlier podcasts about um, trichotillomania, she was talking about how there's not a lot of education, certainly on trichotillomania. So what is your thoughts on alopecia itself? I know you were originally a traditional stylist, were you aware of alopecia and all of those things as you started and just some overarching views of the industry itself, the styling industry? There needs to be more of a connection between hair loss information and solutions and hairstylists. Uh, it may be a little different now, but when I went to beauty school, back then they called it beauty school. They didn't call it cosmetology Well, school. you were not at a beauty school dropout then. So. No, thank goodness. <laughs> thought about it because I got tired of roller sets, but uh, thank goodness persevered. (laughs) But um, alopecia areata was given half a sentence in my textbook. And I remember because I came across my textbook the other day and actually thumbed through it and found it and couldn't believe it. And it may be a little different now with the popularity of extensions and then wigs. Extensions, I think, by the way, have sort of paved the way for wig acceptance. But um, definitely hairdressers need to have more education on hair loss because they are the ones to notice it often. And they often don't know how to broach the topic mm-hmm. with the style or with their client rather. And, and, and often because they've been such good friends and they have that close connection for so many years, they're afraid to hurt their feelings. Um, so they're afraid to bring it up. So there needs to be more education about how to do that, how to make that chair in the salon, that much more of a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I truly think every good hair salon, every progressive good hair salon ought to have a room devoted to clients with hair loss and a specialist on board. Even if it's somebody that maybe only 20, 30% of their business is wigs and hair pieces and, and the rest is quote, regular hair. There, there just needs to be more stylists involved in it. So mm-hmm. many don't know anything about wigs or hair pieces. They, or if someone gets one from me, like my client in Michigan that I sent a wig out to last week that's been with me for years. Um, she has, after years of looking, finally found a stylist out there to personalize it for her. If she wants bangs cut into it, if she wants it thinned a little, if she wants a couple inches off the bottom, this stylist is fine with doing that, but many are not, mm-hmm. which makes the whole wig thing, if we can call it that, that much more difficult for the average person. The average right. Because if you can't personalize it, that, that that's really where it comes into. It's the personalization and, and a little bit of a cut in that makes it look more realistic. And so yes. if you don't have someone who can do that for you, you're kind of taking it out of the box, putting it on your head. It may look okay, but it won't be elevated to where it needs to be without a stylist intervention. So exactly. yeah, I think that that's actually very important. I do feel like, I think stylists from what I've seen, they, 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 they've become very familiar with like traction alopecia, right? Because of extensions, but anything further than that, and even with traction alopecia, I think 
there may be this, well, it's just what happens. Traction alopecia, that's just what happens. You get extensions, right. you get traction alopecia. It's like more of an acceptance on that, which I don't know if we should be accepting traction alopecia, but right. but yeah, I do agree. I think that there is an opportunity there where they don't even, they very well may want to help their client, but they don't even know where to turn themselves, like just to even refer someone, you know? Exactly. So, and I do have to say in terms of extensions and wigs, yeah, I mean, the, the group we actually have to thank for that are the African-American women because they are the ones that, you know, did the wigs and extensions and everything and have been completely like, yeah, I look fabulous. And I think it's taken a while for the general public to be okay with it. And what I found is even with that, I think people are more comfortable now with extensions, but they're still not comfortable with wigs or a topper or a bonded piece. Like for some reason, as soon as you put it on the top of your head and the hair flows down from there, then that becomes oh, taboo. But if it's an extension, it's like so totally fine, which I don't, I still am trying to thread the needle as to why that is. I don't, I don't know why that is. I, maybe it's because extensions are still considered like a, a beauty or a glamour or, you know, glam hair versus if you're wearing something on top, it's for a reason. Right. Right. And with extensions, when you look in the mirror, you're seeing your own hairline, you're seeing your own part. Mm -hmm. And that's very different from a topper or a wig. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you can make a comparison with makeup, um, a tinted moisturizer could be like extensions, right? It's, it's you, but just a little better. Whereas mm -hmm. a wig or a topper are like full coverage foundation because yeah. they are, they're, they're literally fuller coverage for your head. And it also changes the contour of the top of your head. You know, it depends on the topper or the wig, obviously some are fuller than others. Um, depending on what they're made from and how they're constructed, but many times they will change the contour of the top of the head and they will look puffy and full. And if someone's been dealing with hair loss, especially for a long time, the hair loss has happened so gradually, they've gotten used to seeing less and less and less hair up there. They don't like Oh, so it. it's shocking when they see hair on their yes. head again. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's an issue I see here in the salon all the time. Women wait until uh, three, four, five years later than ideally they should have because they, they come in and their area of thinness is so large on the top of their head, extending back to the top crown area. And they say, I just want a little bit of extra hair. But the problem is when you go to put a little topper and they have little toppers that are wonderful, but when you go to put one on there, it's not enough coverage. Yeah. And then you've got this thick area where the little, not necessarily thick, but fuller, thicker area where that little topper is clipped in, but this huge area of loss behind it. Mm -hmm. So they really need a larger topper. And with a larger topper, you get more hair, whether it's mm -hmm. synthetic or human hair. So that's an issue too. I would encourage women to not wait too long to come in for a topper. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not to buy one, just, just come in for an, an exploratory consultation, find out right. what's on there. See, see the difference. Because again, if you wait too long, that, that difference between the before you and the after you with your topper is going to be so tremendous. People will notice. Whereas if you mm -hmm. get on it within the first year or so of starting to see that thinning hair, that transition into that now you can wear the small topper will not be nearly as noticeable. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when um, people start using the hair fibers a lot, that's the time when you need to be looking at a topper. Because um, the hair fibers are great for those folks who are you know, just have very slight, like maybe your scalp showing a little, but you're not really losing a lot of hair. You're just, those can be great. But at the point that you're relying on, on, you know, higher hair fibers, you, you should be looking at yes. something else for yourself. Um, especially, I think a lot of people also don't realize you can get a small topper. You can get a small topper, fits right in a certain section. The rest of your hair looks great. I mean, seriously, no one will know. <laughs> you clip that baby in, you're good to go. Because I know for me, before I got what I wear, I um, 
I, I really, it took a while for it to start thinning on the top. It started on the sides. And so I was doing extensions and then it would, and then it started to thin on top. And there was a point where I was in the car and, you know, you look through the rear view mirror and the, I have a sunroof as well. And it was like the sun was beating down and there's the rear view and there's my scalp. Like it, I was like, oh my Lord, it was just like a full view. Like yes. I look like my brother who is bald. I was oh. like, this is not a look I want to. I want to continue. So oh, <laughs> yeah, it oh, was, nice. it was not something. So that's when all of a sudden I started moving to the toppers and, and went through yeah. the whole, um, the whole avenue of, of all the different products, but yeah, no, I agree. So I think it's really it behooves us to kind of also get the stylist figuring out, you know, that's where like American Hair Loss Council comes in and really trying to figure out how we can start communicating to stylists and salons and yes. here's who you need to work with to take care of your clients because you have this long term and help them get people to cut in wigs and cut in yes. alternative hair. Um, so I, folks can I feel had an idea that I had an idea that if if I had more time on my hands, and, and this is a suggestion for somebody that's um, maybe even for you, but <laughs> there needs to be a digital course that a stylist can buy where someone like me an experienced wig stylist can teach them about wigs and toppers and walk them through the whole educational process and how not just, you know, what they're made of and how they're made, the construction point of view, but um, how to personalize them. For example, don't use your $300 shears to cut a synthetic wig or topper, you know, and get a 20 to $30 pair and use those and replace them frequently. Um, mm -hmm. Things like that, that your typical stylist might not know. But if all that were put together in a digital course and advertised well, stylists could purchase it, go through it and become maybe certified wig, uh, wig artists or certified uh, wig stylists. Mm -hmm. so that, that's something that could and should be done. Yeah. I, uh, and I think that there are a lot of stylists who would be all in on that. Yes. Um, because they want to help their clients. They, yes. yeah. And I think also having within that, that how to have that conversation, like even giving a talk track or, you know, how to go about bringing it up. Um, yes. because I think that's, like you said, uh, they see it, they're working in your hair. And if they've seen you for a long time, they can also tell whether or not you're thinning or not. It was fascinating. Cause I went, um, this past Friday to get my new hair on. And uh, when my hair was off, Lisa um, Ferris saw my hair and she said, oh, your hair is actually thicker. Like she could tell that obviously something I was doing, maybe it was all the healthy fats I've been eating, but um, she could tell that my bio hair looked thicker, right? So someone who's in your life like that can tell your stages of hair growth and not hair growth, et cetera, so. And maybe more women would um, embrace wigs and toppers if their stylists had that conversation with them early on, because they're the trusted hair professional. Mm -hmm. So often a good way to broach that topic with the client in the chair is by questions, asking them, um, have you noticed that your hair has become a little thinner in the last year or the last couple of years, or even the last six months? Um, that can sort of put the, the, the toe in the water of the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and at least get that conversation started because that lets the client know, oh my goodness, my hair professional noticed it. It's not all in my head. Mm -hmm. It truly is on my head. I have mm -hmm. a hair loss issue. And then they can take the next step. And, and even that's a process. You know, all these steps are a process that can take a few days maybe even just a few hours or even a few years. It's different for everyone, but then they can take that next step that much sooner if the stylist draws their attention to it in that gentle way. And a question like that is, is often a gentle way to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even another way you could go about it is, oh, you know, um, you know, how's your diet lately or are you experiencing any, any stress lately? And if they say, yes, why? And you're like, well, I'm noticing, you know, your hair is a little bit 
thinner and sometimes yeah. stress impacts that or whatever. And then it can start that conversation because then they might be, they might say, well, I've actually noticed it's been thinning for a while. Okay. So, because for some, you know, it was interesting. I, uh, had a girls weekend this past weekend where I saw some college friends and they all have great heads of hair, but they're starting to right here on their temples just a little bit. Right. And so I was able to say, you know, for you guys, minoxidil, like, honestly, for them, a little bit of minoxidil. And one of my girlfriends, she started one time I had mentioned it and she started and she's had a lot of nice growth. But what I say is you start it, you can't stop it. You have to do it forever. Yes. But for them, they've got healthy heads of hair. So my, yes. what I said to them was get, do it now, do this now while it's just starting. Trust me, <laughs> you know, um, and I also talked to them a little, little bit about like fibers, but like, they're never really probably going to have the issue like I had, but I, but it is, it's getting in front of it. And it's also like a stylist would be able to see that too. If yes. they see their client, just especially women as they start to turn, late 40s, 50s, and they start perimenopause and menopause, et cetera, it is an impactor. You you do get thinner hair. It, it does happen. Like, And it's funny because my girlfriends and I are starting to get to that age. And um, we're, we were kind of like, why didn't anybody tell us? Like, what's that about? Like, I don't know, for some reason, it just seems like it's like, it's brand new for every woman going through certain things at certain ages. Like everyone's like quiet about it. Like, shh, don't tell about the weight gain. Shh, don't tell about the hair loss. Like what, what, what? That's not cool. So here we are, these Gen Xers going, what is happening? Why did no one tell us? Um, and so like, I'm like, well, I was first one in the pool. I'll tell you all about the hair loss stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like, but it's one of those things like the stylist would start to see on her clients, you know, she, she or he could say, you know, hey, right here, why don't we do a little bit of, you know, this, we could, we could get in front of this. This isn't a thing on the temples. So, but I think that the conversations just aren't happening. And then as we see in the Facebook groups, people are just trying to talk to each other. Other women with hair loss are talking to other women with hair loss and they're coming up with these schemes that are like, yeah, that's not going to work for you kids. Like just exactly. Mm. And their heart is in the right place. They want to be helpful. And sometimes they are helpful. But another reason I started the online virtual coaching wig business was because there is so much, as you alluded to misinformation in those groups, it comes from a place of wanting to help, but misinformation can sometimes be more harmful than no information. Mm-hmm. So that's why one of the things I offer, in addition to the 60 minute full consultation is a 15 minute consultation. They might have an issue that I can solve for them in three minutes that they've been struggling with, with their wig or their topper for years. Mm-hmm. And, and they're searching these groups and they're searching YouTube videos and they may or may not find the answer. But if, if you consult mm-hmm. a wig expert, <laughs> it's a huge time saver. Yeah. So definitely worth it to do. Yeah. And that's the thing too, the time saver, right? Because, you know, one of the things that um, with Lisa and I on our podcast, we talked about the bag of hair. Um, And so as you go through your hair loss journey, you end up with this bag of hair because you've gone through faux bangs and a little wrap and faux ponies and top, you go through all of it which maybe for a lot of people is just the kind of life path you have to go through everything until you find. But if you can find experts or if you can, you know, do, like you said, a 15 minute consult with someone who knows, then you're not wasting your time running down the primrose path, right. And trying to find some solution all by yourself. Um, Because like I said, a lot of people like, I don't know, like, I don't, I truly do not know why hair loss and menopause isn't discussed. Like it was really frustrating. Like, that's even GYNs to a degree, don't even cover it with their people. Like these are the, these are the things you're going to have happen. (laughs) I hate to break it to you, but this is what's going to happen. So let's get in front of it. That's not happening. Um, So then you got these women talking to other women and they're trying, they're like, I'm 54 and this is happening. And no one's saying to them, well, it's happening because it's going to happen. So here's what we can do. Right. Right. Do you suppose it's because, well, we all know, wrinkles come with age and we all know about sagging skin. I mean, my mother's jowls are appearing more on my face every day. And we know these things. And do they feel like we're already overwhelmed with those happening to us? So they don't want to share the rest with us? I I, I don't know. You're right. I I don't know why they don't. I don't know either. 
Um, because I, I don't, uh, yeah, it might be that I don't want to, you're already going through this life change. <clears throat> I now don't want to give through, give you the litany of things that are going to happen. But my view is give me the litany and then give me what I can do as a solution. Because wrinkles, baby, Botox, Botox can help with those. <laughs> like, there, there are solutions out there, right? But if right. you don't tell me, especially on hair, that seems to be like, I don't know. It's just, it's unfair. And that's our goal, right? Is to pull back the curtain and have the discussions and tell people, you know, first of all, you're not alone. And secondly, there are people you can turn to. And I think with this community as well, from what I've seen, people are very open to help you. Yes. It's like, let yeah. me share with you. Like, I don't want you to go through this. It sucked. It sucked when I went through, why would I make you do it? Um, so it's a very welcoming and warm group of women and men, because um, I've seen men that are in the Alopecia Foundation that are like, you know, sharing their stories as well. And so that's kind of the thing. It's just exposing this more and more. And that's why it was big for me, like last year when I was finally like, I guess I better tell people if I'm doing this for <laughs> social media, I guess I better share my stories. But, you know, it, it's a level of vulnerability that I'm not, you know, I'm there now, but I wasn't there. It took a long time to get there. And um, so if I can help others with that, that's the goal now. Absolutely. Um, and it makes you more relatable because of that. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, it's like, wow, your hair is beautiful. Well, you know, you can buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It can be yours I, I didn't, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky because I was like you, I used to have really great hair. And so it was always surprised. It was surprising when it, it decided to, um, you know, take a sabbatical um, for the rest of my life. So <laughs> Um, so that was, you know, surprising. So I think I can kind of, as you, you know, talk about, I can, you can empathize, right. And you can yeah. provide some, some thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah. and you okay. know what, and, and I have gratitude for having had great hair for so many years, look at all the, the women and men, but I'm thinking women here because that's who I work with all the women that were born with lousy hair. And, and have thin limp hair that they have to spend 45 minutes on every morning to make it look like something. And then they go outside on a drizzly day and in two minutes, all their work is gone. I mean, absolutely. I discovered right. that firsthand when my own hair loss started, how hard it is to make your hair A, look good and B, stay looking good. Before with the thick hair, I didn't have to worry about that. So I developed a whole new empathy for women with thin hair. So, so many women have just had that all of their lives. So sometimes if I'm tempted to have a woe is me moment, I think, you know what? I had pretty great hair for a lot of years. I'm, I'm grateful that I did. Did it make the loss harder in one way? But man, I rocked it while I had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess that goes to the thing. We talked a lot about alopecia areata and, and hair loss, but really wigs and toppers are for those who have just fine hair. Yes. You can't style it. You don't, you know, because certainly for a, a really nice topper, and if it's a really nice synthetic topper, you put that style in, you're good to go. Like that style is living in that hair until you want to redo it. But, you know, you're ready. Like on a Friday, you get up, put the hair on, go. Like you got a big commute in the morning. You don't need to worry about styling your hair. Put that wig on and go. Um, so That's it's right. not, it's, yeah. So it's not, it's also that audience. And I think even from a hairstylist standpoint, like, you've got a client with fine hair, you know, telling them to, you know, tease it or put mousse in, it's only going to do so much. And, and yeah. for a very short time. Yeah. And, and even they're not going to put it on as well as you do as the stylist, you know, yeah. they, they tend to put it on their hands and just kind of lay it in their hair. They've got to really get in underneath and really almost rub it into the scalp yeah. to get those roots lifted. And is that good yeah. for their scalp to rub those chemicals in their hair? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. They have to zhuzh it. They have to zhuzh it up. Yeah. But yeah, so for anyone who's got fine hair, I mean, and that's probably too how we should be socializing as well as for our fine hair people that, you know what, guys, you want to go out on a fabulous Saturday night and look amazing, get a topper, get a wig, boom. It's becoming more and more cool. I mean, certainly actresses and singers and models, they wear hair. And, um, you know, I love, there are some reels out there from some stylists. There's one stylist I love. His name's Robert Charles. He does fun, fun reels. You should follow him. He is fabulous. Oh, he yeah. does fun reels. Yeah. But he did one where 
um, it was the, the, the client comes in and they're wanting their hair to look like this. And then he showcased like a Cardassian. And then it was like, that's a wig, that's a wig, that's the wig, you know, like, no, baby, I, I can't give you that hair. They bought that and they put it on their head. So, <laughs> but no, he's a great one to follow because he just, he really does a real do. He does reels in a way that educates on hair as well as like extensions, but he's got a good tongue and cheek fun way. So just nice. for you, even with your social media, I mean, there might be some ideas there that you can yeah. look at and go, oh yeah, but he's very clever and he's very fun. And um, so you should take a look at, I at his will. stuff, but I, I yeah, will definitely look him up. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, we've been talking for a good bit of time. Are there some things that you wanted to cover from your perspective that we haven't covered in terms of hair loss, alopecia, how to deal with it emotionally, anything like that, that you kind of wanted to touch on? Nothing's coming to mind. Um, we, we talked about the social support aspect of it. And, and I do think that is important. Um, and I, I, I don't want to leave your listeners with the view that, you know, Facebook groups that focus on hair loss or wigs are bad because they're not. There's a lot of good there. And the best thing to come from them is that feeling of a sisterhood. We, we are there all to support each other um, so that we don't feel alone with hair loss. I know when I first lost my hair, was back in the old AOL dial-up days and that noise when you first (laughs) and I would come home from doing hair all day at work and then sit in front of my computer I'm literally literally run to the computer sit down log into this hair loss group I found somehow back then it was there was no Facebook it was a chat room AOL chat room specializing in hair loss and we were all talking about our alopecia or somewhere there for other reasons And I just really connected with this one woman in particular who talked about wigs as an accessory. And I thought, what, what? She's nuts. She, she, no, no, she's, she's just, just nuts. And then here I am all these years later. And I'm, I'm, I took that and ran with it and went beyond with it. Made it your business. Made my business with it. She was so proud of me, (laughs) but, but man, she and that her in particular, her name was Dawn, and that group were just a lifesaver for me. Because even though I was a hairdresser and doing hair all day long every day, I didn't know anybody else with alopecia areata. So that group made me feel like I was not alone. And that is huge. And that in itself is is a stress reliever. And anything we can do to help with the stress of hair loss and just the stress of the world we live in, especially the last two years, um, is only going to be helpful for our hair, right? Yeah. It, our health in general, but including our hair, whether it's meditation or prayer, whatever calms the nervous system can only do good things for hair growth. Yeah. And I'm glad you went back to that point because correct. I don't want people to think that because the Facebook group, it's, I think it's a thinning and hair loss group that I, that I'm in. Um, you're right. It, it is there for support. I just was reflecting on, I see suggestions that I, yes. I'm like, Ooh. so I, yes. I correct. Like that is a good resource. And for everyone listening, you don't need to do this alone. That's where you go to the groups and you listen and there will be valuable information in there. Just when there's suggestions on certain products and things like that, just do your own research and, 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 and things like that. But uh, yes. But yeah, the, thank you, Sherry. I'm glad you went back to that because I don't want people to think that they, you do need the support, especially since people have been alone. A lot of people are alone dealing with this. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good folks out there who are, who are challenged with this as well and are a good ear and will listen to you and provide their own story. And it just, that feeling of community is important. So I'm glad you brought us back to that. Well, okay. So Sherry, how can they find you on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, where, where can they find you, Sherry? (laughs) I have a website. It's www.mywigcoach.com. Facebook, it's My Wig Coach. If you just type that in the Facebook search bar at the top of your Facebook browser, you should find it. And then My Wig Coach was already taken on Instagram when I started my Instagram account almost a year ago. So there 
it's the.wig.coach. And you got to have the dots in there or you're going to get some funky kind of page. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll put that, it'll be in the show notes as well, guys. So you can check the show notes for how to find Sherry and maybe set up a virtual consultation. She can help you, you know, find something for yourself that'll make you feel fabulous. But I really appreciate you spending the time today so we could go over it. And it was really great to finally talk to you since on Instagram, we've been, you know, Mm-hmm. around each other and interacting mm-hmm. on there but it you know it, once again social media comes through for the win they it social media has some bad things but boy social media has some good things as well sure it does yeah but i really appreciate you sherry uh spending the time with me today on our 2022 season of all hair life in the real world yay <laughs> but thank you Janie. thank you so I, much for having me it's been great thank you for joining today and our conversation with Sherry Schaefer. Please check the show notes on how you can find her. We will be doing one podcast at minimum a month. So if you have any ideas or anyone you would like us to talk with, just let us know. And I don't know why I'm saying us. It's really just me. But anyway, have a good day.